All right, this morning we have a special treat because today we get to hear uh, from Pastor Reggie Smith. Uh, he's a regular guest around here because any he has any open availability, I say, man, you've got to come back to Encounter. I just love it so much. Uh, Pastor Reggie has, uh, has pastor churches. He grew up in the Chicago area and pastor churches in New Jersey and Grand Rapids, where he now directs the Office of Social Justice and Race Relations. Let's please welcome Pastor Reggie Smith. Thanks, Dirk. Uh, I'm glad you clocked you know, kind of clear up that 1825 thing. That was about age. Because I kept thinking, 1825? That's the 19th century. Is anybody alive that's going to still be there? I was kind of glad you cleared that up for me. It's good to be here with you. And uh, for our text this morning, we'll be looking at Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Hear the word of the Lord. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the beard, poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down to the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Mount of Hermes was falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, as Dirk mentioned, that my first uh, church encounter, or my church time of, uh, in terms of pastor was in New Jersey, and I was there with a pastor. His name was Stan Vanderclay. He's, he's about 6'4", uh, had a beard. He looked Amish. I never, didn't, didn't know anything about that, and he wanted to kind of bring my wife and I about what, was going to, what were we going to encounter, encounter, to encounter in, Grand, in uh, New Jersey, and so he invited us over for dinner, and after the dinner, he uh, said, so I want you to see my slideshow. And so we were invited into the, to the living room, and there he showed us our slideshow. And you know, about after that fifth or sixth slide, you're kind of thinking to yourself, you're having that inner dialogue in your head, there's 100,000 other places I'd rather be than watching this slideshow. Well, thank God for Instagram and Facebook, so we can do that now uh, all the time. David is trying to give us a picture of who God is. He's giving us a picture of community. He's giving us a picture of what, is, what does it mean to live life walking together with those who are on this same journey with us. But also, and more importantly, how do we become a blessing to one another as we are walking together on this journey together as brothers and sisters in the Lord? And so I want to tell you that this is about how do we become a blessing even once we leave this place and do that in an authentic and real way in which we can kind of see God in each other and see the Holy Spirit unfurl that life before us in real and intangible ways. And so the first, place, the first thing I want to talk about is this. Grace cannot be achieved. It can only be received. Grace cannot be achieved. It can only be received. At my uh, church in which uh, Roosevelt Park, a Christian Reformed Church, where I was at for almost uh, 20 years, and you have a tendency to have all kinds of strange people who show up at church. Not to say that that's you, because you are perfect. But anyway, uh, there was a guy there by the name of Dave. And Dave, uh, let me first describe Dave to you. Uh, Dave is about this high. Uh, He's bald. He wears Coke bottle glasses. 
He always wore a white shirt, short sleeve, and uh, he wore his black pants all the way up to here, and he wore black shoes. And he would only come in the, uh, for the evening service. And when he would come, he would sit in the fourth pew on the organ side of church. I've noticed that human beings, when they sit someplace, they always return back to it. That's not you guys. You sit all over the place because your, your butts are not attached to the seats, which is a good thing. Well, Dave would always sit there, and everybody knew that that was Dave's seat. Nobody sits in Dave's seat. Everybody knew that, except this one couple who happens to be visiting sat in his seat. And so Dave approached down the middle aisle, and there he looked at them and did kind of one of these things. Why is he still staring at me? I feel creeped out right now, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Very good. Dave stared at him for a long time, and what he would do is that he would blow his nose and then he would head straight to the back, as if by some reason or miracle they were going to move. And he did it again, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. I'm sitting in front of the church, and I am laughing my behind off as I am watching this, and I have no idea how is this going to end. He did it the fourth time, and Dave was just beside himself, and we didn't know exactly what to do. Dave had gotten used to being a settler. A settler is a person who comes and they stake their claim right where they're at. They make this spot their home, and they're not moving from it. That's none of you guys. So when we become a settler, we make life about certainty. We make life about making sure that everything is protected. And when we live life that way, we're never going to be a person who's on the move where the Spirit is moving. David was a pilgrim. David is describing his life as he is on his way with other pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. And so David did not see his life as being a settler, but rather he saw his life as being a pilgrim. A pilgrim is someone who is always on the move. They are moving where God is, and wherever God is, that is where life is. And if that's where life is, that is the most safest place you can ever be. The safest place is where God is on the move and his people are going there with him. Now, David, he was a king. And as a king, he had all kinds of people who liked him for all kinds of different reasons. And so as he is walking on this journey towards Jerusalem, in which they would do for all of three of the uh, pilgrim festivals in which they would have, David had people on his right, folk who loved him and thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. And then there were people who were on David's left side, people who couldn't stand him, people who didn't like him. And that's none of you guys, because everybody likes you, right? Just don't say anything. Just, just agree with it. So David is, is on this journey. He's on this journey with God, along with people on his left and people on his right. And you know what? David, here's a, good, here's a great thing. David could not pick 
or throw out anyone who was a pilgrim. Isn't it sometimes you feel like there's some people you want to kick out of church? I know that's what you're having this inner dialogue in your head. There's probably some people who rub you the wrong way, who get on your last nerves. They know how to push your buttons. And you're saying, Lord, community would be so much better if we could just get rid of these folk. Not to say that they would say the same thing about you. Lord, if you can just get me some perfect people on this journey, I will be forever grateful. Thank the Lord that he doesn't do that to neither your neighbor nor to you. David does not have the authority to kick anybody out of God's community. It is all because of God's sovereign choice. He picked him. Maybe, maybe David on this journey, he had some, also, some other things that were going on in his head. Maybe he was a slave to anger. Because you know, whenever David get angry, folk died. Maybe David was a slave to, I don't know, getting his way. And Lord knows when David wanted something, he was going to get it. Maybe as David is walking this journey, maybe he's a slave to fear. And maybe he doesn't realize his identity is being a child of God. Maybe as he is walking this journey and as he's looking to his right and looking to his left, maybe he's, maybe he's singing a song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Won't you sing it with me? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Do you believe that this morning? That's not a rhetorical question. Do you believe that this morning? Pastor Dirk said, you do have permission to speak back to me. <laughs> and that he promised that you will not spontaneously combust <laughs> if you do. So you have permission. David, as he is on this journey, is looking to his right and looking to his left and possibly singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That is the only reason that he could write these words, how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity. You see, you can't get the depths of those words if you're a slave to anything. Maybe you've come here this morning and you're a slave to something. No, I, I can't see it right now because you're dressed up so nicely. 
You camouflage yourself really good. But there's something in which God can see. Is there something in which you are a slave to? No, we can't see the shackles. No, we can't see your eyes, your arms are tied. And maybe you want to come on this journey with David to let down your fear and to open up yourself to God's community in order that you would be a blessing. You are a child of God. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? You are on a journey no longer being a hostage or hijacked by the evil one. You've been set free. And there's all these people around you. Tell your person to your right and your left, I am free and free indeed. Go ahead, do that. All right, did y'all do that in the back? Did y'all do that in the back? I didn't hear you. Okay, I'm, I'm just messing with you. David is singing this song because it's true and it's from the depths of his heart. And he sees persons on his right and his left who are no longer a slave to fear. Hallelujah. They are all children of God. I got somebody in the house this morning. I got somebody. The second is this. You are a priest. There are two people who, in my church, who greeted me every, after every service. The first one is Tammy. Tammy would always meet me at the front of church. I'm always sitting in the front, meditating, trying to get, trying to prepare myself for that service. And as soon as I put my head up, there's Tammy. Oh! Scan, you know, almost scaring me white. But anyway... She would, she would stand there, and then she would say, here I am, Pastor Reggie. I am here for church. Okay, Tammy. That's good. <laughs> Praise God. Tammy did this for a reason. Tammy would always suffer from seizures. And when she would suffer from a seizure, she wouldn't show up for church. And so every week, when she did not have a seizure... She wanted Pastor Reggie to know that she was in church this morning. And then afterwards, after she tells me that and a couple other things, she had to get a Pastor Reggie hug. And then she was back sitting with her sister. And then after the service, as I'm talking to other people, there'd be somebody in the aisle right here, and her name was Amy. And Amy would wait for me as she was very good at doing and then she would be the last one. And then Amy would come up. Oh, by the way, Amy has Down syndrome. And I would say, Amy, I, I can't hug you this morning. My, my arms are tired. She said, no, I don't believe that, Pastor Reggie. You need to hug me. I said, oh, no, I can't. I can't hug you today. I'm tired. She said, you better hug me. Okay, okay, honey, I will hug you. We had this little, di this little dialogue going back and forth, and I would give Amy her hug. And she would go, ow! 
that's, that's catching the spirit for, you know, for non-charismatic people. And, and, then she was, and then she was ready to go with her mother. You know, I've always enjoyed Amy in the, in the front, uh, Amy in, in the back, and Tammy in the front. And they were kind of like priests to me. They helped me to see God through unusual pictures, through who they were and who they are. David saw lots of priests all the time. And he's given us this picture of a priest. And as he is set up, to consecrate a priest means they would pour oil on the top of his head. It was almost like it was the original water bucket challenge in the Bible. They weren't quite like, you know, us Christian Reformed people were a little dab of do you. They said, oh, no, we're going to be straight up Jewish. We're going all out. And there it was, running down Aaron's beard, down his robe, all the way down to his feet. And he just shined, because that's what olive oil does. You just shine. You just brighten up. He was like Moses coming from the mountain. Shining. Here's the interesting part. In the text, notice that David does not write, well, Aaron had to have a negotiation with the other priests and say, you know what, I really don't want you to pour all that oil on me because I don't want to be all that wet. Doesn't say that. There is no negotiation. He has to submit to it. And there is Aaron as the bucket is poured down on him. He submits to it. She just submits to it. Now let me ask this question. What is the one thing in your life you are having trouble submitting to? All of us have these areas of our lives in which we have blocked or put obstacles before and say, Lord, you, you can't touch this area of my life. It hurts too much. There's way too much pain there. How do I know that you're going to heal me? How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like oil being poured on the head, poured down Aaron's beard, all the way down to the collar of his robe. Aaron or any priest was a part of a community. And when you are part of a community, one of the things of which you submit to is being accountable to one another. It means that we are no longer free agents with our lives. How many free agents do we have in the house this morning? Let me, talk, let me say that another way. How many of us don't want people telling them what to do? <laughs> Notice the enthusiasm. <laughs> Because the moment that people, because that's what it means to be American, right? Is that we get to do anything and say anything and that people cannot tell me what to do. I'm American. Yeah. But you see, when you're a part of a community, the person to your right and your left is a sinner. How many sinners do we have in the house this morning? 
Both of y'all should be put, just put all your hands up. Go, go ahead, do it right now. And wave them like you just don't care. How y'all doing? You, you are sitting with other imperfect people. Give God a hand clap. All imperfect people. That means that the person on your right and your left is just as screwed up as you are. But thanks be to God, I cannot become a Christian by myself. It is impossible to become a Christian by ourselves. I need other people in my life to encourage me, but also to keep me accountable, to be priests to me, to help me to see the work of God in my life, that we are in the business of making disciples and then making other disciples. So that when you encounter people, there's that word again, encounter, when you encounter people throughout the week, that they will see something shiny, that they will see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in you, that I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You are a child of the King. We need to act like we belong to the King. And we are kingdom subjects. We follow only one king. I don't know if you know his name. It starts with a J. I don't know if you heard it before. We belong to the king. We are to be priests this week. And the last is this. Go and walk as a miracle. May 22nd, 2017, 8.05 a.m. My life changed. Because you see, on that day, my car with my wife was hit by a dump truck on 131. And as that dump truck is pushing our little, no, I wasn't little, our six-week-old Lexus RX 330 towards a gas tank of a Jack Knight semi-truck. My wife and I believed that we were going to die that day. And by God's grace, we missed that truck by this much. We were able to walk out of that new vehicle. And I said, Lord, I can't have nothing new, can I? <laughs> You're pushing me back to the same old pastor's car that barely works. You see that day, brothers and sisters, that was a miracle. Why does it take things like that to help us to realize how easy 
our lives can be taken away. Did you know it was an absolute miracle that you woke up this morning? Let me say that again. There was no guarantee you were supposed to wake up this morning. That is a miracle. When dew falls on Mount Hermes, which is 9,000 feet high, David saw an experience to do that would come every day. Because of his elevation, dew fell on all of the vegetation. You notice that the dew didn't work for it. It didn't work and slave over it. God just simply provided his miracle provision for it. He just provides his miracle provision. You see, David had to see his life again as a miracle. Brothers and sisters, any time that you experience God's grace and that you live out a life of gratitude, that is an absolute miracle. Anytime that you can tell your story to somebody else and the light of God gets turned on, that's a miracle. Anytime that you can gather with a group of people like this, even unperfect, and walk the same road as a pilgrim saying that we are on our way to the holy city and I am thankful that you are on this journey with me, that is an absolute miracle. Anytime that you can experience God in a wonderful and winsome way, that is a miracle. You know why it's a miracle? Because you're no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Why do we start our week out living as fearful people when God has delivered us from it? That we not to walk as if we're crouched down, but we walk as proud people, knowing that everything is God's grace. Everything is a gift. You know, the hardest thing to live by is grace. Maybe I don't have any Christian Reformed people here this morning. We always seem to think that if we can merit God's good grace, our lives would be better, and then we can elevate ourselves above others. You see, I would see grace as God's welfare program. We are all on the dole. If you ain't, you don't need Jesus. The person to your right and your left is a miracle. Why don't you just tell them that? Turn to the person on your right and left and tell them they're a miracle. I'm no longer a slave 
to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. You are a child of God. Pray with me. Father God, we want to take this opportunity to believe this reality. We are a miracle. We are no longer a slave to fear. Fear has to do with punishment. But you loved us beyond what we could imagine. You loved us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, out of this miracle, this miracle of salvation, Lord, help us to walk this week, not crouch down, not blocking our, not nailing the door shut, but to walk in the freedom as if we were walking through the waters that you've opened up. We're no longer a slave to fear. We are the miracle of Jesus Christ. May we tell someone this week who is the miracle worker. And may we walk in the power of that, not because we've earned it, but because it is a gift that we are always giving away. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said,